Hi guys, my name is Kenny Dusso, and this is the Elite Development Podcast. The goal of this show is documenting my journey as a coach, things I see in the industry, of mistakes I see athletes make, things that I know you need to avoid. So basically, my goal is to help athletes avoid the difficult pitfalls of the world of elite performance sport and to help them reach their true potential. So if you are an up-and-coming athlete that is trying to build the career of your dreams, make sure you're following along this show. Make sure you go subscribe on the YouTube channel, on the podcast, and everywhere else you can. And now, let's get to the episode. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Elite Development Podcast, the number one show for athletes looking to gain an edge on their opponents and build their dream careers in sport. I'm your host, Kenny Dusseau, and today we are digging into some live questions So we're going to get into it right away. Let's go. So the first question that I had coming in is how to become mentally tough. Now, there's a couple of different schools of thought on this. Like you see the guys out on the internet like David Goggins. And I want to preface this by saying I have nothing but respect for David Goggins. Like I'm not here to try to shit on the guy or anything like that. But when people watch guys like David Goggins, I think a lot of them misinterpret his message. They think like the best way to be mentally tough is just beat yourself into the ground every single day. But the main thing that I get from a message like his is just to understand that our emotions don't guide our our physical abilities. Like there are going to be days that you don't feel like doing something. But if you really wanted to, you could push through and do it. And like I think I heard him say something like when we feel like we're done, we're actually 40 percent of the way done. And so from like that standpoint, how to become mentally tough is literally just pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, right? So it's like, I talk about my morning routine and that's one of the things that like, as funny as it might sound to say, creates my mental toughness is every single day, my day starts with things that I don't like doing. And that sounds like super kind of rah, rah motivational shit, but it's just real. Like I wake up at four o'clock in the morning, not because I have to be up at four o'clock in the morning, but because it just reinforces with me that like, hey, even when something's hard to do, I do it. I have not touched a snooze button in 14 months. And it's literally because of that, that it's like, I've just reinforced into my brain that when I say four o'clock, it means four o'clock. When I say I'm going to work for X amount of hours today, I work for that amount of hours today. When I like, whatever I say, I do. And the reason that that happens is because I reinforce it in the morning. So how to become mentally tough, push yourself out of your comfort zone, number one. And number two is building trust with yourself. The reason that I think a lot of people don't feel like they're mentally tough is because they break promises that they make to themselves. They say, I'm going to wake up at six o'clock in the morning today. And then they don't. 6 a.m. alarm goes off and they go, ah, I'll just snooze for 10 minutes. And immediately as you get out of bed, you're like, oh. I'm not even tough enough to wake up, wake up and get out of bed at the time I said I am. So the way to become mentally tough, I think, in a roundabout way as I'm answering this question is, honestly, you just need to stick to the promises you make to yourself. If you promise yourself that, you know, you're going to wake up at a certain time, wake up at that time. And then you build the trust with yourself over time. So you start with small things. And then over time, you can start adding to it, right? Like now I know when I say something, I'm going to do it. Because over the last number of years, I've built that reputation with myself that when I say things, I do them. I don't miss on things. I don't slack off on things. I don't say, oh, no, I'll just get to it later because 
I've built that reputation with myself. And now, honestly, as funny as it might sound, little things like the cold shower in the morning or little things like waking up early, like I would legitimately feel like a piece of shit if I hit the snooze button and slept until 4.05 a.m. And like, it's crazy because, you know, no one's watching that. No one's like, oh, 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 guy says he wakes up at four, but he doesn't like and I wouldn't have had to tell anybody. But I don't do it purely because I'm like, ugh, I don't like the idea of hitting that snooze button because now to me it feels lazy. It feels like something that is dishonest with myself. So how do you become more mentally tough? Stick to the promises you make your, make to yourself and slowly but surely build your resilience to harder and harder things. All right. What? Uh, I want to go professional, but I can't find the right team. I like this question a lot because I think this is something that a lot of people don't think enough about. When you're trying to become a professional athlete, you need the right team around you. It's plain and simple. Like you could turn pro tomorrow with who cares what team and probably not have a great career. But if you actually want to make it long term in this career, you need good people around you. So how do you find the right team? Number one, you need to be clear on what you're looking for within that team. Right. If you're just going around and you're like, oh, this isn't the right team. OK, define what the right team looks like. What kind of coaches are you working with? What kind of like what kind of environment do you want to put yourself in? What kind of sparring partners do you need? Like the clearer you have defined, this is what the right team actually is for me. The better and better you're going to be able to search for that team. And the better you're able to search for that team, the more likely you are to be able to find it. You know what I mean? So that would be step one. And then once you have that clarity on like, this is what I need in a coach. This is what I need in training partners. This is what I need in like a facility and everything like that. Now you can start searching for those teams, right? Like go travel and spend a week training at another gym and see if it checks those boxes. And if it doesn't, cool, go find another one and then go see if it checks those boxes and like keep making those little trips, go spend four days here, go spend a week here, go spend a week there. And eventually you're going to find that team where like you walk in the door and you're like, all the boxes are checked. And once you walk in the door and all the boxes are checked, you've got your team. Now you move there and you turn pro. How, okay. Next question. How do I approach for sponsorship? I really like this question too, because this is something that, oh, so many athletes do so poorly. So one of the most common mistakes I see when athletes are trying to get sponsored is they just throw posts up being like, basically being like, hey, world, sponsor me. And I will tell you as a business owner, if somebody comes to me and they're like, hey, Kenny, train me for free. I either don't respond to your message or I'm going to go off on you and be like, no, why should I possibly do that? What value could you possibly offer me? And you're not getting free training. However, what I have done with athletes in the past, like I had an athlete come to me a couple of years ago and he told me, he was like, I run a jujitsu gym and what we can, what I'd like to do with you is arrange some kind of deal, a deal for my own training. But as a like with my own training, what I would give to you is I'd give you access to be able to advertise and be able to talk to all of my jujitsu athletes at my jujitsu gym to get all of these people in your program. I would pump it out at the gym for you as well. And my goal would be to get as many of them training with you as possible so that, you know, I would get my training for free, but we'd be able to massively boost up your clientele in exchange for that. Now 
I'm looking at that and I'm like, oh, I give one guy free training and I have access to like 40 other athletes. Like that sounds like a really good deal. Right. So the biggest thing you've got to have in your mind when it comes to sponsorship and like that one didn't end up working out in the end, but I was willing to try it for something like that because that looks like a sweet deal. Right. So when you come to a company with sponsorship, like wanting sponsorship, you need to lead with what it's going to do for them. Right. Because they don't care that you have a fight coming up and you need help paying your bills. They just don't. They're interested in what them giving you money or them giving you free things is going to do for them. Plain and simple. You know, as much as we'd all love to say, like, we're all saints and we just want to see everybody win. And like, don't get me wrong, you will run into some of those people, but nine times out of 10, they want to know what it's going to do for them. So when you're approaching for sponsorship, think about it that way. As an example, right now, my social media is exploding. My Instagram account alone reaches 189,000 people every 30 days. So if I was going to try to set up a supplement deal or a deal with like a meal prep company, I'm going to come to them and I'm going to be like, hey, I'd really love to work out a deal with you where I could use my platform to help advertise for you because right now I'm reaching 189,000 eyeballs every 30 days. And I think that could be a massive benefit to your company. What do you think? Right? Because now they're sitting there and like, if they're having any trouble advertising, they're going, wow, 189,000 eyeballs for every 30 days. That sounds like a pretty good deal. What do we need to do? And then they're interested. They still might not go for it, but you're a lot, I'm a lot more likely to get a sponsorship or get a deal with that company by providing that value than I am by just being like, hey, uh, give me free shit. They're going to be like, fuck you. Like, I'm not giving you free shit. Why would I give you free shit? Right. But if I come in and I'm like, hey, this is what I can do for you. Are you interested in working something out? Now they're much more likely to go for it. And the other thing you need to know when it comes to approaching companies for sponsorship is have clarity on the sponsorship. Because I've had other athletes that have come to me and asked me for sponsorship and they've come to me and they've basically just been like, yeah, uh, if you train me for free, then like I'll, uh, I'll post some stuff on social media for you. And I'm like, okay, like what are you going to do on social media for me? And they're like, um, post my okay, like I post on social media. So how, why would I give you free training to post on social media? It doesn't make any sense, right? But if you come to me and you're like, hey, I'm going to post three times a week and I'm going to make sure that it's posts that are going to be linking people to your website. Is there a particular program that you want to start pushing more? You know, like what I was thinking is I would do this, this, and this, but I'm open to any ideas that you would want to do as well. Now you've got some clarity. You're like, oh, if I train you for free, this is what you do for me, right? But if you're just like, oh, I'm going to post. Now I'm like, I okay, like, I don't know what that means. So no, bye, right? So you've got to have clarity on what you actually offer. So the biggest things with sponsorship, and I know I've been talking about this for a minute now, number one, lead with value. Don't lead with what they can do for you. Lead with what you can do for them. Number two, clarity on the offer. Don't come in and just be like, hey, do free stuff for me and uh, I'll help you out if I can come in and be like, hey, this is what I want to offer you. And this is what I want in exchange for it. And the more clear that is, the easier it makes it on the business owner. And I can tell you from being a business owner, if you're making me think more, I'm pushing you away. But if you're like, hey, here's the offer I have for you. Are you in or out? 
If it's a good offer, I'll take it. If it's not a good offer, not taking it. Right. So having the clarity doesn't necessarily mean they're going to go for it, but you're going to remove the decision fatigue and remove the like extra thought on their mind. And it's going to be a lot easier to get them to go for it if the offer is actually good. All right. We are going to move to the next question. I hope that was helpful. Always love the Q&As. What are your biggest problems you've noticed since getting bigger athletes such as those guys you have in the UFC? Um, so biggest problems that I've noticed since having guys at higher levels. So for those who don't know, I helped Chris Curtis with his training camp for UFC 297 for all virtually, which was super cool, super fun. And then I actually got to go down to Toronto, spend the week with him and his team and like be able to be around the team a little more, which was just an absolute blast. And as far as bigger problems, honestly, there hasn't been any else that's like jumped out as far as like an issue um the biggest thing with more established athletes is buying into a new system right like a guy like that's been training for a very long time and he's used to doing things a certain way so coming in and having a conversation with him about like hey we're going to do this training differently because of this this and this like he was very receptive to it and he worked really well with the program but there were a lot of moments of like you know kind of falling into the old habits of like overtraining a little bit and things like that, that were like kind of the biggest discussions. And that's definitely not unique to him. I think a lot of athletes struggle with that, but I think the biggest thing that I learned from it and I've learned from having these higher level guys now is continue to get better at explaining the reasons behind it, but also making sure that we like from the coaching standpoint, I understand that it's like, Yes, the programming that I'm delivering is going to be massively beneficial. Um, I know that just from the years of work and the years of results that I've been able to deliver. But when people are super used to doing things a certain way and when they have like, you know, their things that they love to do, I was working on just like giving an inch where it was okay. Like if he was like, man, like I really want to like grind harder on this one day. I was like, cool, let's do that. But we're also going to do this, this, and this because I know the benefits that I'm going to provide from that, right? So working together with the athlete, not just dictating, hey, these are the things you have to do. That's it. And I think that was the biggest thing. I've, like, I've worked with a few high-level guys now, and that was kind of the big thing with all of them was learning to adapt how I coach to still deliver the results, but then make sure that I'm fitting within uh, within what they need specifically as well. And yeah, but honestly, it's a joy working with guys at that level. Like, it's just, you know, it's super nice when they're like, not just bought in, but they want to know more. Like, they're like, oh, like, why are we doing things a certain way? Why are we changing this? Why? Like, he's very, had a lot of questions and wanted to learn more, wanted to know more. And that part was really cool too. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, just going to actually sit in the crowd, <coughs> sit in the crowd with 20,000 people and watch them fight was one of the, one of the coolest experiences after getting to work with them for that much time. And let's go. Um, uh, I got another one. Any remote online programs? Yes. If you are interested in working with me online, shoot me a DM on Instagram that says fight and we will talk about our online programs. All right. Biggest thing. This is going to be the last question that we take. What is the biggest thing to work on for cardio in the last two weeks before a fight? 
Now, the reason this question is very important is because there's not one perfect answer to it, unfortunately. Number one is when it comes to the last two weeks, hopefully you're not starting to work on your cardio in the last two weeks. But when it comes to the last two weeks, what you should be doing depends on what you've been doing over the last however many weeks. Like if you're taking a short notice fight, like you are starting to train and it's two weeks away, what I'd be focused on is the aerobic system and basic strength. Because if you haven't been training and you're coming off the couch, we probably have five sessions that we can do before that fight maximum. And so that would be strength work because we want to make sure your foundation is solid. So that's three upper body lifts, three lower body lifts focused on full body strength, not burning yourself into the ground, but just steadily building the strength you have in your body and the aerobic energy system. So longer duration, steady state intensity for the entire duration of the conditioning work. Now, the reason you'd want to build that is because if you haven't been training, that's going to be the foundation that just allows you to keep a higher pace through the whole duration of the fight. And we want to have that as high as possible, even though that's not a lot of time to build it. Now, number two, if you've been building that through your off season and now you're just in the last two weeks, sprint repeatability. So that's short duration efforts, 100% intensity, max of men full rest between every effort. So when I say full rest, like usually for sprint repeatability work, I'll have my athletes operating 100% for 15 seconds, rest for 60, and we'll do that anywhere from six to 12 rounds. Now, the reason we do that in that six to 12 round range and we have the complete rest, there's a lot of people come to me, they're like, well, we don't get to rest that long in a fight. So why would I rest that long in my conditioning? The goal of conditioning is not to mimic the fight. The goal of conditioning is to build the physical qualities you need to improve within the fight. Does that make sense? So the goal of conditioning is to build that explosive power. So then when you throw those hard combos, when you're in the fight, you're recovering from them faster because you've taught your body to operate at that level, right? But if you're just trying to do everything without rest, you're never at 100%. If you're never at 100%, then when you throw that 100% combo in the fight, your body's not used to that and it zaps the shit out of your energy. That makes sense? So hopefully between those two answers, that answers your question. And guys, that is it for the Friday Q&A. I appreciate you all tuning in. If you want your questions answered, Make sure you're here early and make sure you are dropping those questions in the chat quickly when I do these sessions. So guys, I appreciate you all for tuning in. Thank you so much for being here. Honestly, this is one of my favorite things to do during my week. And like the fact that we have 18 people here live and more even on other platforms, it just, it warms my heart. So I appreciate you guys all so much. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your Friday and I will catch you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Elite Development Podcast. Now remember, information without execution is useless. So take what you learned in the show today and go figure out how you can apply it to your career to start making progress right away. My one ask of you is share the show around, make sure you're subscribed, make sure you're following on all the social media platforms. The links on how to do that will be in the show notes below. And in turn, have a great day and I can't wait to see you on the next episode.